Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. pastors here at Ocean View, and uh, I'm really excited to be with you uh, today. I'm going to say a word. You might have an image that comes to mind when I say this word, because I think in pictures you might do the same. Here's the word. You ready for it? We're jumping in today. The word is faithful. Everybody got it? You might heard faithfulness might be the way of saying it. Now, that's a word that when I say that, I can be honest with you, I've been struggling with that this week, trying to wrap my brain around that, because... Uh, I think of it in terms as a churchy kind of word. We don't use that word in our everyday kind of talk, so to speak. We usually use it in context of something bigger. Like we don't go to, to Starbucks and our barista gives us coffee. We're like, oh, thank you. You've been so faithful to give me this, this coffee today. Like we don't just normally, it's not a word that just casually rolls off of our tongue in our everyday kind of conversation. We do use it in, in other situations though, right? Like I would say I'm a faithful husband or I'm a faithful father. And that implies some kind of relationship uh, that I am committed to, right? So, so we would understand faithfulness in that way, that you're a faithful dad, you're a faithful husband, you're committed in that kind of relationship. You might have heard it this way, you're like a faithful boss or you're a faithful employee. And when we say it that way, then we're saying, oh, well, that's a person who is like they're on time, like they are committed, like they're loyal to this, to this organization or, or something along those lines. We think of faithful in those kind of categories, And this past week, I was at high school camp with some amazing students, and I absolutely love being with them. And I'm thinking about this, and I say, I'm just going to ask you guys, when I say the word faithfulness or faithful, like, what do you think of? And they told me, they said, well, you know, we think of like belief, like what we believe in. And I said, okay, let's talk more about that. And so as we continue to talk, they said something that was pretty insightful and that's something that you'd probably agree with. One of them said, well, you know, when I think of like faithfulness, what I think of is that I can trust God in any circumstance because of what he has already done for me in the past. And that helps me be faithful. Now, that is true, right? And that's a great way. And we would say, yeah, like that does help us. But I think there's something even more to it than that. I think that, that the, this idea of faithfulness kind of has to go beyond a simple belief system of something that we know to be true. And so we're going to talk about this today. Over the last several weeks, if you're just coming in to this conversation, if this is your first time here, you kind of jumped into the middle of a conversation this morning that started at the beginning of the summer. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we've termed it this. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's kind of when I say that, there are certain character traits that God wants to do in us to change the world around us. And as we look at these over the course of the summer, we're kind of dissecting each one in its own kind of way. And this is like something given to the followers of Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit. These are the fruits that we should see in their life. And we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And that brings us today to faithfulness. Now for us to understand that, I'm just going to say for this morning, like I, I have, I'm, you notice I'm talking fast. You understand? Because there's a lot, okay, that's in my mind. So, sorry. So, so we're going to train here. Um, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think in order for us to kind of understand this idea, especially as we talk about faithfulness, it's important for us to put that sentence that Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit back into its broader context. 
Because you understand that the fruit of the Spirit, that list of these nine things, comes in the middle, sandwiched between a much larger conversation. And if we don't understand it in its much larger conversation, especially as it relates to faithfulness, I think we're going to miss something. So we're going to spend some time this morning kind of jumping into this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. And we're going to kind of put that sentence back into its context because I think when we do that, we're going to see something really amazing that Jesus said to his friends as well. You guys ready? You're going to need to buckle up, okay? This is that kind of day. You're like, I just wanted my coffee. I wanted this to be... No, no coffee. Put it down. Here we go. Galatians chapter 5. This is what Paul is saying. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's keep going because I'm going to come back to that. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I'll pause there for just a second to kind of unpack that just a quick second. You understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, there are these two natures that are now in existence. If you're a follower of Jesus, and that means you put your faith, your trust in him, there are now two natures in you. There is one nature that is the Spirit of God living inside of you, that is prompting you, that is guiding you to move, to do things that God would have you to do. And He is trying to pull you that direction. You take steps of faith to follow in that direction. There is also in you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this other nature, and that is your old self, your sinful nature, and that too has its own desires, and it has its own plans as well, and it is pulling you into a different direction. And these two forces are completely opposed to one another. It's kind of like a game of tug of war, right? Where you're constantly, you get pulled this way, you get pulled that way, the difference is you're not necessarily being pulled, you're the one that's walking, you're the one moving. Does everybody understand? You've got two, two natures going on here. But when you are directed by the Spirit, when you allow the Spirit to lead you, when you're directed, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And I'll just talk about that for a second. See, before Jesus, there was this big list of do's and don'ts. That if you do this, things are good. If you don't do that, things are good. Do this, don't do that. Consequence, reward. Do this, don't do that. And this was the law. That everyone who wanted to follow God had to live under. The, the thing was, nobody could live up to it. That's why Jesus came, died, and rose again. And Paul is now saying, that old system, that old list, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, doesn't matter anymore. It's abolished. There's a new system in place. You're not under that anymore when you're directed by the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Once you think about that word, results... Here's the results of that sinful nature, these two opposing viewpoints in you. Here's the results of that sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. You're like, I'm safe, no idolatry here. Sorcery, uh-oh. Some of you, anybody? I didn't think so. But what about this one? Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, uh-oh. You were like, I was good with this. I didn't have any sorcery, but quarreling... Hostility, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and 
other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is, listen, these two natures that are in you. One is the old nature if you're a follower of Jesus. And and you also have this spirit-led nature that's in your life as well. And what Paul is saying is, listen, if you find yourself just doing this, you're just like the sinful nature. You're not inheriting the kingdom of God because you're living this way. And there's nothing in you without the Spirit of God to direct you to go this direction. There is nothing in you that is pulling you towards the Spirit of God. So people who live like that, and that is their purpose in life, and that's what they live for, is for all of those things, that's going to be the result. That's where they're headed. They don't inherit the kingdom of God. But let's talk about the other nature for a second. Let's talk about the results that come when we lean into the Spirit of God and He leads us. The Holy Spirit produces the results, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Don't you already feel better about your life? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against those things. It's not about the do list and the don't list anymore. Paul is saying, listen, when we are led by the Spirit, there's no law against this kind of living. God's going to call you to do some stuff, and it's going to produce this in your life. Now, doesn't that sound amazing? If you're a follower of Jesus, that is what we're in pursuit of. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, get this, have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. You understand that in that tug of war, when you're following the Spirit, and there's this sinful nature that rises up inside of you, that that sinful nature is dead, it's nailed to the cross. You're dragging around a zombie. You're feeding something that's already dead. And it's robbing you out of the life that God has for you. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Let's not be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, if you see that happening with somebody who's following Jesus, and you who are godly, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. By the way, just on that note, I think some of us in this room are afraid to help other people out that we see kind of stumbling down a path that we know is wrong for them. And sometimes we use the excuse, well, I don't want to go there too. Listen, pull them back. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is your job, to help them along, help guide them to the right path. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? You remember? The law of Christ is this. It's really simple. Love one another. That was the law of Christ. That's what he gave us before he left us. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I love that. Pay careful attention to your own work. Why would he say that? Because we're really good at comparing ourselves to other people, aren't we? The people that we're trying to help along, we're like, well, at least I'm not sorcering, whatever that is, right? Is that a word? I don't know. At least I'm not doing that. Be careful. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you'll get a satisfaction of what? A job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. 
Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You have heard it said, you reap what you sow. Same thing. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature, those who live only to satisfy that side of themselves, will harvest what? Decay and death. That is the result of that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It is in the middle of all of that that Paul says, here is the fruit of the Spirit. Here is the result of a life that is following Jesus. It should look like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I think faithfulness, more than any of those other ones, we have to understand in that bigger picture for a reason that we're going to see in just a moment. When I was having this conversation with these high school students, one of them said this, and I loved this. They said, all right, we're talking about faithfulness. I asked this question. I said, how, how do you define faith? Like, what, is there a difference here? And you know what's interesting is they said this. You can have faith and not be faithful. And you can be faithful to something and not have faith. Do you ever think about that? And it's so true because I saw it even this week. Someone who said, I, I believed it, but I never really accepted Jesus. I understood it, but I didn't really do anything with it. So how do you define faith? That's one part of this. And the other part of being faithful is also understanding what I know to be true about God and about myself. Because these things intersect with one another. So how do we define faith? I think Peter defines it for us, and James defines it for us, and Paul defines it for us. Again, throughout Scripture, it kind of looks like this, that faith equals obedience to the truth. I can obey something that isn't true. That's not faith. I can disobey something that is true. That's not faith. But when I understand the truth that Jesus died and rose again for me, that he took my place and my sin, and then I obey that by putting my faith and trust in that truth, I have faith, right? I can't have one without the other. They go together, being obedient to the truth. That faithfulness, taking steps in that way. So when we look at it in that context, Jesus had something to say about faithfulness. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25, and he tells a story in the middle of two other stories, and we're just going to focus on one. I encourage you to go back and read the rest, but this is in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus himself has something to say about what being faithful is like. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So he's going to go. He has some servants. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Get this, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So it's not like he liked this one better than that one. He said, I think you can handle this. I'm going to give you that. Then he leaves for his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. Now that's pretty good. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. That's pretty good. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. And after a long time, 
their master returned from his trip. And he called them to give an account of how they had used the money that he himself had given them. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And get what the master says here. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Doesn't that sound nice? You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more, what, responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You get a promotion, so let's party. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man. I knew that you were harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. So I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Now look, here is your money back. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant, and if you knew that I gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some kind of interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. And follows it up with this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. When we look at this story, there is a little trap for us that we think this story is about money because it involves numbers and silver and we like shiny things. At least I do, right? So we think it's about money and that is just a piece of it. We can look at it that way. But there's something bigger here. When Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, there's an idea of faithfulness wrapped in this story. And I don't want you to get sidetracked about the money thing. I mean, that is a piece of it. But I want you to remember what Paul said in the broader context of what we looked at. Remember what he said, we are living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in what? Every single part of our lives. So if we're going to follow the Spirit's leading and be faithful in every single part of our lives, it goes beyond just the tangible thing in front of me. That's money. There is something happening in these servants that if we take a closer look, I think we'll see how you and I can relate to it. If you remember at the beginning of this story, the master gives his servants bags of silver. But you remember what it said? It said based on their what? Abilities. I want you to see something here that I didn't really pay close attention to, but I believe fully. He gave it according to their abilities because there is a very specific job that he knew they could do. He looks at these servants and he says, all right, this servant can handle this. I'm going to ask them to do that. This servant can handle this based on his heart, based on his passions, based on his experience, based on what he has learned, based on everything that has happened in his life. He can handle this. I'm going to let him do that. And this one, wow. He is really good at this, or she is awesome at that skill. They have this talent. They have this vocal ability. I'm going to give them this to do. And he gives them all based on their abilities. He's not asking them to do something outside the realm of possibility for them. He's simply saying, listen, 
in your abilities, there is something for you to be faithful with. And I look around this room right now and I look at my own life and I'm thinking, what are the abilities that are in this room that could be used in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ to further the kingdom of God and the body of Christ? Do you understand that there are abilities that you have that somebody else needs in the body of Christ? You understand that you have experience that somebody else needs to know about. God has given a job specifically for you. I don't know what that job is, but it's up to us to find out. We can't rely on the church. Remember what Paul said? Each of us has to conduct ourselves according to our own. We are responsible for us. And I just have to tell you with as much love as I can that God has a job for you to do that nobody else can do because you're the only one with the ability to do it. The second thing about this story that I notice is the time factor. You understand, you understand that when the master leaves his servants, it said he left for a long time. He didn't say, oh, I'll be back tomorrow, get to work. He didn't say, I'll be back next week. He just said, I'm gone. We don't know how long he was gone for. It could be years, 20, 30, I don't know. I think there's a reason that Jesus leaves this open-ended. You know why? Because there's something that we learn over time that we can't learn in any other way. I think there's a reason that when God called the, the people of Israel out of slavery, he let them wander around for 40 years because they had to learn about God's faithfulness before they went into the land that he had promised them. They weren't going to learn it otherwise. There's a reason that God waited for Jesus to come thousands of years after he created the world. He could have come on day 10. You know that, right? And showed up and we could all be done with that. But he didn't. There was something that we needed to learn over time. The way I understand faithfulness is very different than the way that my five-year-old understands what it means for God to be faithful. Because I've just lived longer. Here's the thing. You have something to give to somebody else. And it's your time. Here in the present, it's the experiences that you've had throughout the time. How God has been faithful to you. Somebody else needs to know that and hear that. And I have to tell you this because it is near and dear to my heart. I believe that kids and students in this next generation, they need someone who is going to give them the time to help them walk through this world, to help them see God's blessing in their life, to help them understand God's faithfulness. The only way, let's get this, get this. The way that our kids and students see God, probably the best way for them to see God is to know someone who knows God. And some of you in this room, you know God. You have experienced God's faithfulness on a monumental scale. And for whatever reason, you're keeping it to yourself. You're burying it in the ground. But there is a kid or a student that needs that story. They need a voice in their life. There is somebody on your street that needs that voice in their life. There's somebody walking on this campus today that needs to see Jesus. And you have your time and you have buried it. I, had, I have asked this question before to many people. And one, not one time, several times I get a response. Like I say, talking with somebody, I say, hey, have you, have you found a ministry team to serve on? Have you found a place to plug in? And you know what I have been told? I kid you not, this is the answer and it breaks my heart. I did my time. It's time for other people to do that. Can I be really honest with you and really candid? There is not a retirement plan in God's kingdom. You don't get to just be like, well, I've reached my time. No, that's not how it works. Somebody needs what you have. 
And in the body of Christ, we are responsible ourselves for sharing that with one another, to encourage them along that way, so that that nature, those two warring factions in our lives, lead us to the Spirit and the results of the Spirit. The other thing I notice is these resources. You understand that the Master... The master gave them what they needed to do the job. He didn't say, he didn't, he didn't say, hey, take your money and invest it and I'm going to take, take it back. He gave them exactly what they needed to do the job. You understand that whatever you have in your life, God has given it to you to give back to him. Do you want to know why that third servant was called lazy and wicked when everybody else was good and faithful? You want to know why? You remember what it said? He was what? afraid fear by the way this is bonus fear is faith in reverse when you have fear in your life it stops you from being led by the spirit when you have faith when you have fear in your life it's kind of like well i'm not going to give away anymore now i'm just going to start hoarding for myself that's what fear does fear stops you i'm afraid that if i put myself out there someone might not like me i'm afraid that if i start uh, sharing my faith with somebody else i'm a fear is the worst thing. Fear is faith in reverse. God has given you resources and time and abilities to use to further his kingdom, to make an impact on somebody else's life. Don't bury it. There's a reason I think that Paul reminded us in that bigger context. You remember what he said? Don't get what? Weary in doing good. At just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. And some of us in this room have given up because something has happened in our lives, something has changed in our circumstances. Somebody did something, somebody said something. We're afraid for some reason and we're locking it down. We're burying it in the ground. Your abilities, your time, your resources, your just pushing it down there. The other thing that happened with this last servant, not only was he afraid, but I think he had the wrong perspective of his master. He had this idea that because he thought that it was his stuff for some reason, that this master was going around taking stuff that didn't belong to him. He had the wrong idea completely about what was happening. And by the way, when you have the wrong perspective, it means that you have the wrong purpose in your life. He didn't understand his role in the bigger picture. You have a purpose in your life that is bigger than you can imagine, that is bigger than you can see right now. It is a purpose that is filled with blessing. It is a purpose that is filled with life and wonder and amazement at who God is. God's spirit is in you. And if you are faithful to follow him, then you are going to see that come true in your life. But that means you have to activate it. It means you have to take your abilities, your time, your resources. You have to tie it all together to make your purpose. Because God has given you a purpose to have an impact on somebody else's life. Is there one person in your life right now? Hear me, if you're a follower of Jesus, is there somebody in your life right now that looks to you and says, I know Jesus better because of that person right now? Is there somebody that will say that? That person is ministering to me right now. I don't know who Jesus is, but I know who that person is. Don't pull canned fruit off the shelf. Don't say, oh, I did way back when. No, no. Today, is there someone that you are leading to help follow Jesus? That is the purpose. It's so much bigger than anything else. That's the purpose that we have. 
And it's, I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm not saying this to guilt you into anything. I'm just saying that there's a bigger thing going on. And if we don't bury it, if instead, if we start saying, all right, I have a father who loves me, who has given me a job to do based on my abilities. He has given me everything I need to do this job. He has given me the time to do it. And I understand the purpose of helping somebody else follow Jesus. Then you really just have a choice. Are you going to obey that truth? Are you going to bury it? And Paul says, look, don't be misled. Remember what he said? You can't mock the justice of God. You will always, you will always harvest what you plant. So the question becomes, what are you planting? Those who live only satisfy their own sinful nature, whether you only live for that, you're going to harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, you're always going to be harvesting everlasting life from the Spirit. So let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time, at just the right moment, if we are faithful, at just the right time, if we haven't given up, if we haven't buried it, if we haven't retired, whatever it might be, at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessings. So don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially, that means taking special attention to those in the family of faith. That is faithfulness. Let me, listen. Sometimes, those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, I'm just going to be really candid, really honest with you. This is extra. This right here, this is not faithfulness. Faithfulness is when I take this and I start living it out here. And I start helping you follow Jesus. And I start helping you discover your gifts and your place in the body of Christ. And I start using my, my abilities, my time, His resources with this newfound purpose in my life, and I start impacting others to follow Jesus. That's faithfulness. When we take that outside the walls of this building, and I I am Jesus to people who will never step foot in this building, that is faithfulness. You want to have that fruit in your life? The world is craving it. You know that? There are people who need that. There are kids in this church that need that. There are students in this church that need that and all over Myrtle Beach that need to know that you, not Ocean View, that you are someone who exhibits this amazing thing that God has put inside of you. This faithfulness to love them the way that Jesus loves them. To care for them the way that Jesus does. To look at them the way that He does as made in God's image. That is the abundant life that we need to offer and that needs to be seen. So what do you do with that? So I did this last hour and I got to this point and I'm like, I didn't come up with a clever way to end this because that felt really heavy. So I'm just going to give you a couple of quick practical things. One, if I've been talking about this nature, this like, spirit-led nature and the sinful nature and you you're like wow i don't even have that nature i'm still a dead man walking and you need to know more about following jesus i would just encourage you after we're done here just come down front come over to my right we have somebody who would love to talk with you and pray with you about that if you're someone and maybe you've been on god's retirement plan which doesn't exist and you haven't found your place, a 
a tailor-made job for you to serve within the body of Christ. When you leave today, you're going to get a sheet that just says, hey, I would like to serve in one of these areas. I'd like some more info on that. It's a really practical thing. Another way, just find somebody's need in your community, on your street. There's somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Start blessing that person. Start loving them. Start being nice. (laughs) And here's the biggest thing. Don't get weary of doing it. Don't get tired of that. Don't give up. This is what he's called us to do. There's no timetable on it. It's forever. You're in it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your truth today and for your word. And there might be in this room, and it's just like me in my own life, there are things that I have buried. I've buried resources or abilities or something that you have given me very clearly to use for your kingdom, and I've buried it. So God, for those of us in this room that have buried it, I ask that you would... You would um, bring it out of the crown and that as we hand it to you and say look here it is that you would say I'm you know what I love you go do something God help us to take the truth that we know to obey it and live it out to be faithful there's no end date on faithfulness the second we stop being faithful it ends it's not faithfulness anymore so God help us to be faithful God for anyone in this room I'm talking about living a spirit-led life or having God's spirit in them. God, I ask that you would work in their heart to know you personally. God, that we would be a place for anyone who doesn't know you or has just started to know you, any phase, any walk of life, God, any age, that they would come and this would be a place where they know that they care, they love me. I know Jesus because they know Jesus. God, would you do that for our kids, our families, our students, for each other? Change us, God. Change us personally, individually. To the name of Jesus, God's amazing son who paid our price. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.